Get him stopped. Get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Inflated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, they'll send your ass to the rear. Hello again, everyone. My name is Ross Weiss, and welcome to Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series, and the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series, presented by Toyota. Sean Neistat is our guest on the show this week. Sean is the weekly announcer at the Houston Speedway, but you also heard Sean's voice this past weekend in the night before the Kings Royal and Kings Royal broadcasts if you were in person at the Eldora Speedway or watching at home on Dirt Vision. Sean, a really, really great guy, really good backstory, and just the you'll, you'll hear a lot of the deep love he has for Houston's not just being the weekly uh, announcer there, but the, the the long family history he has at that speedway in South Dakota. So it was really cool to have Sean be a part of the World of Outlaws crew, Dirt Vision crew, uh, during the Kings Royal weekend at Eldora. You're going to hear him talk about a lot of his first observations, initial thoughts, because it was the first time he had ever been to Ohio, been to the Eldora Speedway. So he experienced a lot of really cool things for the first time. Really appreciative he took some time out of the middle of a workday on, on a Monday to talk to me here for the show. So without any further ado, here's Houston Speedway and Kings Royal announcer, Sean Neistat. So this will now become an open red flag situation. So Sean, you are coming off a really big weekend Uh at the Eldora Speedway, your your first Kings Row weekend, your first time ever to Eldora, I think, if I read correctly. But kind of walk me through some of your big takeaways and uh, key experiences you had over the weekend there at, uh, in in Rossburg. Yeah, that was my first trip out there to to Ohio. Period. So uh, it was really cool. Like uh, the the geography, I guess, of 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 everything out there isn't that much different than what I'm used to here in South Dakota man everything out there in ohio is really green and of course you're driving through this beautiful countryside and then boom you stumble upon this racetrack out that's literally in the middle of nowhere uh which you always hear but i didn't grasp until this past weekend just how middle of nowhere that (laughs) truly is out there like there's nothing i mean there's a farmhouse here a farmhouse there and then all of a sudden boom it's this mecca of campers and then, you know, you, you see the racetrack itself, and it was incredible to come upon that. Um, I, I think with all the people there, all the campers, that would have that probably be like the fourth biggest city here in South Dakota <laughs> if you put everything together uh, for the Kings Royal Weekend. It was incredible, and what an experience at, you know, noon, you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fans walking around this racetrack and the concessions are open literally all day long. There's breakfast buffets going on. What a place. What a, what an atmosphere it was. Uh, I was, I don't know if I was prepared for it, but I sure enjoyed it. It's a, it, it is a pretty surreal experience when you walk through that front gate for the first time and kind of see the whole place kind of, you see the racetrack kind of laid out in like a bowl beneath yeah. you kind of it's, it, it it's pretty surreal to walk in there for the first time. 
Yeah, and you know, Houston's I'm used to that. The the side of the or the grandstand side of everything there is built in the in the hill, and they did that back in the day because they didn't have to build bleachers in, in the nineteen fifties if they were on a hill. But then you walk into Eldora and you walk into the covered grandstand area. And I think I said the other night, it felt like uh, you were walking into Lambeau Field. You don't have to be a, a Packers fan to walk in there and appreciate the history and the nostalgia of the place. And I felt like that walking into Eldora, you could just, you know, feel just how nostalgic and, and historic the place is. But then you you mix in, you know, the modern amenities that, that they have there and really was an incredible uh, a different experience walking into a racetrack. And then I hadn't grasped as well, like how much those hillsides, you always see the people when you're watching, you know, the races online or even back in the day on speed and TNN, you're watching that and you see the people on the hillside, but I hadn't grasped just how many people that really is all the way, like all the way from the, the exit of turn two back around the front stretch and, and all the way to the entrance of turn three. It's a lot of space and a lot of people. So you were in, in the booth with Johnny for the night before in the Kings Royal on Friday and Saturday, but uh, I believe I saw you got to go in and be a fan on Thursday night, right? For the, for the million. Yes. So what were your observations just getting to spend being a fan for the night for the night versus, you know, there for the million versus when you were up in the, in the tower for Friday and Saturday. Uh, being a race fan at Eldora is incredible. Um, I will tell you that. I, and I don't I don't get to sit outside and watch a lot of sprint car racing. You know, typically if I'm at a race, I'm working and I'm I'm inside most places. And so the the first hot lap session started and the the octave of the engines, I was sitting down in turn number one and hearing the engines just scream getting into that first corner. Uh, I got goosebumps for hot laps. Uh, so that was an incredible experience. And then just, uh, you know, uh, I, I wanted to play it straight. I had a lot to do there that weekend, but man, their, their beers are $2. So, <laughs> uh, I had to, I had to have a couple of those. Uh, I, I didn't get into the toilet waters and all that, but everyone else around me was, and they were having a great time with those. And, uh, I, I was telling some people about that, uh, when I got back home and they're like, what, what is that? And I'm like, Oh, it's, it's their signature drink. And, and, uh, you know, everyone just has a great time in that place. And, and, um, being a fan was was really cool. The the giant video board adds to your fan experience. Uh, a good sound system there really adds to the fan experience, uh, where you, you you you're up to date as a race fan with all of the happenings, and you can hear the lineups and you know what's happening. And so that was was really a good experience as well. And and then you know you get a, you get around with you know twenty thousand or however I have no no idea how many people that that was, but you get around that many sprint car fans. How do you not? Not enjoy a night at the races it was it was amazing uh, I had to uh, you know you, I was wearing the sunglasses I was sitting far enough up I didn't need the goggles but um, I took a, I took a lot of Eldora souvenirs home that night and I think I think some of them got left a, a ring around the uh, the shower after <laughs> I got cleaned up uh, but that was a good souvenir to take home too so you've obviously got a lot of laps announcing alongside Johnny Gibson when the outlaws come to Houston's but uh, what did it mean to you, that experience sitting in the tower at Eldora, which is a great view from that tower at, at Eldora, but sitting alongside Johnny calling those two races? Oh, it was incredible. Um, the view from that tower, um, it, you're, you're close to the racetrack, but not so close that you can't see. 
Um, you're high up, um, so you can see the back straightaway pretty well over all the trailers and things, but not so up, so high up that you can't see. Uh, and then to get to sit next to the man that is, he's the gold standard, gold standard of dirt track announcing. He's the one who uh, really changed everything for for people like me and how we announce. And uh, to be able to to sit next to the the Hall of Famer, the man himself, and to sit and call a race with Johnny Gibson is always an honor. And to do it at a place at a, like Eldora, and to do it at such uh, a marquee event like the King's Royal, like I, I still feel like I'm dreaming. I think Austin Lloyd said it best. He texted me and he said, "So do you feel like you're announcing at Eldora, or do you feel like you're like?" an out-of-body experience and you're watching yourself announce at Eldora. And I was like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. I still don't feel uh, like this is real. It, it, it didn't feel real. Uh, it's, it's, it's in the past now I'm home. I'm, I'm sitting here working, doing my day job and it still doesn't feel real. I still don't believe that I, I was on the microphone at the Kings Royal at the Eldora Speedway with Johnny Gibson, with Blake Anderson, with Chase Rodman. Uh, I can't believe I did it. I, I I still don't believe it. You mentioned being back home, working the the day job. What does Monday to Friday, you know, in a regular week look like for you? Uh, when you know, outside of your duties at, at Husets or any of this other traveling to to announce. Uh, so this is a, a lot of people look at me funny when I tell them what my day job is. Um. I'll back up. I, I, I started in media. I did uh, radio for four years, did TV for 10 years as a news reporter uh, and news anchor. When I got out of that, I started doing media relations for a healthcare system here in South Dakota uh, called Sanford Health. And we've got uh, a pretty expansive network of hospitals across mostly the Midwest here. Um, after about eight years of doing media relations for Sanford Health, I, I took a change. I, I changed roles. I do internal communications, and this is where it gets a little bit different. Um, I write for our human resources department, and prior to taking that part of that job, if if I got an email or communicated with human resources, I had done something wrong. <laughs> but now I'm on the other side of the uh, other side of things, you know, writing. Um, about benefits and and those kind of things for for our fifty thousand or so employees that we have through Sanford Health. So that's Monday through Friday. Um, it may not sound as exciting as announcing a sprint car race, but it's got its moments too. <laughs> Life is all about balance, right? It's so it's that's uh, right. So walk walk me through then your backstory in auto racing, and I know you've got a very long rich history deep with the the Houston Speedway and that that property there in in Brandon but kind of walk well walk me through what your background in racing looks like I, I think this is my 23rd year as an announcer 23rd season um started as a fan as a kid um we grew up poor here in South Dakota um, single parent situation, but my mom made sure that every Sunday night we were at Houston Speedway. That was our thing. That was our family's thing. Um, my grandpa was so proud that we could sit there on a, uh, on a normal Sunday night at Houston Speedway. And it was, you know, aunts, uncles, my cousins, we were all sitting there an extended family. 
Um, so did that. Uh, when I was 14, I got my first job at Husets, and it was a very glamorous job of cleaning up garbage on Mondays uh, <laughs> after the races. So did that, but did it with my some of my best friends. Uh, we always made it uh, a good time. And then I was 18 years old and got my first chance to announce uh, the the Rubin family owned Houston Speedway at that time. And uh, they owned a couple of uh, another racetrack and managed a, a third. But on the Saturday after Knoxville Nationals, they would always run the Gold Cup at Houston's. And that was a, a 410 sprint car special, ten to $20,000 to win. But at, the, at their second racetrack, which was a, a Saturday night racetrack that always ran, uh, primarily stock cars and 360 sprints back then, um, was called Lake County Speedway. It closed in 2007, but I think this would have been 2001. I was 18 years old. Well, the, same, the same announcer announced both the tracks. Mark Tassler um, was his name. And so we knew that that was coming up. They always struggled to find a fill-in announcer for that Saturday night racetrack while the Gold Cup was going on at Houston's. And so, you know, here I am as a, a high school kid and going to head off to college soon. I was like, you know, I was writing for their programs, writing race recaps for them at the time. I'm like, you know what, I'll do it. I'm going into media. That's my goal. I said, I'll announce the races that night. And um, it didn't go that bad. I won't say I was great, <laughs> uh, but it didn't go that bad. And at the end of that season, uh, Mark said he wanted to start cutting his schedule back. So I took on uh, Lake County Speedway that following season full time, uh, which was kind of interesting as a college student, you know, at the, the beginning of the season and end of season driving back and forth and whatnot. Um, then I took on um, Rock Rapids, Iowa's racetrack, Rapid Speedway. The following season, started doing the infield stuff at Husets, and you know, I think uh, a year later, I was up in the booth with Mark at Husets, and and been going ever been going ever since. When Madison closed down, uh, Lake County track closed down after 2007. I ended up with the job over at Jackson with uh, John McCorkle hiring me over there, and uh, did that from 2008 to 2015. So I do Jackson on on Saturdays and Husets on Sundays, and um that's yeah that's the background where where i've come from and and it's it's been fun i i miss the old days the little stock car (laughs) tracks that we had around here the the lake county speedway stuff that was a lot of fun as a as an 18 or 19 year old being the the racetrack announcer and uh that place was a lot of fun a lot of really awesome people and uh you know being being 20 years old and going into the pits or 19 years old going in the pits and finding a cooler from somebody. It was a good time. <laughs> so you, you mentioned earlier that you had spent a number of years working in, in radio and then TV news mm-hmm. there in the area. Was it those early years kind of finding your voice announcing at those little stock car tracks, as you said, that, that led you to that career path in radio and TV? Yeah, I, I don't know if the I don't think the racetracks led me to that. Um, I had always been, you know, interested in, in being a journalist, um, but it certainly didn't. You know, both sides certainly complemented each other. Um, you know, when you're working in radio, ninety two percent of the time you don't have a script. You you're just ad libbing, and when you're at the racetrack, ninety eight percent of the time you're ad libbing, and so they they really worked well together and kind of maybe accelerated my career trajectory. Um, you could say um, in the professional side of things outside of racing, and may have, and probably sped up my trajectory in the the racing announcing side as well. So they complemented each other. They worked really well side by side. Um, and probably, yeah, you know, with, without that experience, without the, the, the professional training you go through in, in college, which 
Um, you know, there's a lot of breathing exercises I remember doing in classes and I, I had a great professor. Um, he was, he was one of those tough old school professors and he was teaching us, you know, how to anchor news, which is sounds silly, but that's something you have to remember, mm -hmm. something you have to learn how to do. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the students would sit down and you just start reading so fast. And I remember him just yelling at us and just, you know, driving the point home when you're talking, if you're talking too fast, if you're not talking clearly, the, the listener, the viewer, they don't get a second chance to go back and reread it like they would in a newspaper or a magazine. So you have to be articulate. You have to read and talk at a proper pace for people to understand what you're saying. And then you have to control your voice. And, you know, a lot of those things really, I think, helped me when I got into this. Now, we all yell, racing announcers, we're all going to get excited <laughs> because we're, we're, we're racing fans when it comes down to it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's always trying to strike that balance and, and keep yourself uh, from, from becoming way too excited on the microphone. Um, but, you know, it still happens from time to time. I'm, my voice, there was a late model race I was doing a couple of years ago, and I think on the white flag lap, they ended up three wide on the back stretch, and my voice squeaked on that one. And I was like, <laughs> ooh, that wasn't my, that wasn't my finest moment. <laughs> So, as as we, we've talked about, you've got your week weekly duties at Houston. So, with with that in mind, kind of walk me through. Uh, it's Monday as we're recording this. So, walk me through what became a pretty long day for you yesterday. As you know, Don, <laughs> Donnie Shots gets crowned King Donnie the fortieth at about twelve thirty in the morning, and nearly what eighteen hours later, you're announcing hot laps at the Houston Speedway Sunday night. So, kind of walk me through a a, a very long. Uh, travel day and kind of long day to get you back to, to Houston's to announce a, a, we a weekly show last night. Yeah. I'm still surprised it all worked out. Uh, I was really nervous with the weather forecast on Friday and on Sunday morning, I had a seven 30 flight out of Dayton, Ohio to get back home here to Houston's. And we were, I was watching that radar. I was watching the weather forecast and I'm like, Oh man, if this thing goes to Sunday, I've got a giant mess on my hands to, you know, do I do I go back to Houston's? Do I stay at the Kings Royal? Um, I knew Austin Lloyd would have would have handled the Houston's duties and done a great job at it. But you know, when you when you're a racetrack announcer, you also have a commitment. Um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm old school with that, and so I was. Uh, I'll be honest, I was a nervous wreck about that Friday, and then you know everyone kept saying they're committed. They're gonna they're gonna race here Saturday night. They're not. They're gonna try everything they can to avoid Sunday. And I even heard someone from the Eldora staff say, we are prepared to race here, even if it means we're racing as the sun comes up. And so that gave me a whole different perspective. I'm like, well, yeah, that relaxes that was, me that, a that little bit. That would still be hard for that 7.30 flight to catch. Well, <laughs> so when I left the hotel to head to the Eldora Speedway on Saturday, I had everything from my hotel room packed, and I was prepared for a mad dash directly from the racetrack to try to catch that 7.30 a.m. flight. Thankfully, it didn't quite get that bad. Um, I think I got back to the hotel around three in the morning. I showered, uh, packed all, almost everything up. I was back up at five. Uh, I got to the airport, got checked in, got on the 7.30 flight, touched down uh, 42 minutes later, I think it was, in Chicago, had 50 or so minutes there. Um, with the time change in between, it, it really, the clock didn't change. <laughs> uh, 
um, and then jumped back on a flight. I landed right here in Sioux Falls on uh, about 10.30, uh, got a ride back home, and I actually went directly to Houston's at that time to set up, um, which was which was a game-winning move for me <laughs> because it allowed me uh, – we have the tailgaters race day live. We do at 1 o'clock here, our local time. So I went out to the racetrack. I got set up. Uh, I grabbed some lunch at tailgaters. We did the show at 1.30 or at 1. Uh, we wrapped it up at 1.30, and I think by about 1.45 I was in my bed and I got a couple-hour nap uh quick power nap in um yesterday afternoon before heading out to the racetrack the the one uh caveat to that was my son and his 12u baseball team they were playing in the state championship uh here in south dakota yesterday afternoon or sunday afternoon and uh so that cut into my nap because i certainly was was not going to <laughs> to sleep and miss that and they ended up winning it in uh, in extra innings and it was fantastic and you know, I, I went out to the racetrack and I'm like, man, uh, I think I even told Austin Lloyd, I'm like, you might have to cover me at some points here because <laughs> things are a little blurry right now. Like, uh, it's, uh, it was, it was, I was okay reading lineups. I felt fine doing that in, in the play by play. I was fine, except sometimes like names weren't just like coming to me like they <laughs> normally would. It was, it was a little blurry, but well worth the experience to, to make the way out there to Eldora and, uh, Thankfully, even rolling the dice going through Chicago O'Hare, I was back home uh, with plenty of time. I, I was I was nervous, though. Well, all right, Sean, on that note, I'm going to let you go and uh, get back to it there. It's your your day job, as you're going to talk to me here in the middle of the workday. But thank you so much for coming and being part of the Kings Royal Weekend with us uh, on the World of Outlaws side. It was an honor to have you. Uh, look forward to seeing you again here soon. And, of course, as folks keep watching you on Sunday nights on Dirt Vision. So uh, thanks again for the time today. Thanks for every, everything this weekend. We appreciate you, sir. Uh, I appreciate everything everyone did there and for the opportunity. I'm just uh, a local announcer here in South Dakota, and they gave me a big opportunity to come out there, and uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative for it, of, of, for it. You hear the air horn sounding, marking the final two minutes of the open red flag conditions. Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on Open Red. Thanks to every one of you for listening. A few housekeeping notes before we wrap it up this week. Please do not forget to rate, review, and follow Open Red on whatever platform you were listening to it on. So drop a few stars, leave a comment, hit that follow button. That really helps push the show into the feeds of people who aren't subscribed to the show and listening every week yet. Don't forget to follow the World of Outlaws and the Extreme Outlaw Midgets on social media across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. There's accounts there to follow one or both series everywhere. If you have suggestions for guests on the show, don't forget to tweet me at Raw Suisse and use that hashtag Open Red anytime you have a thought on the show or a note to get to me as well. Again, thanks everybody for listening. That's going to do it this week. We'll see you next time on Open Red. Hashtag Open Red.